Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. And welcome back into the Bama on three show. This is your host, Clint Lamb. I'm going to get that right today. I, I went through the entire intro yesterday and did not even introduce myself. But for the second day in a row, I have the pleasure of speaking to Jimmy Stein. Jimmy, how are you doing this morning? Because we are actually recording in the morning. It's not four o'clock in the afternoon. I have nailed the beginning of this intro. Let's rock, man. How are you doing this morning? This morning. Good. Good, good. You you need no introduction, Clint. I mean, uh, you're you're uh, you're you. Heck, we just call you Clint. You're just like a one word celebrity now, like uh, Madonna, Cher, Seal, McLovin. Yeah, uh, you, um, you know, I can go the the Game of Thrones route, and I could be um, a boy with no name. We can, we could do that, and and just I don't even have to introduce myself anymore at this point. Um, because I'm not the reason that everybody's here. They're here for Jimmy. They want to hear what Jimmy's got to say. <laughs> about the Alabama Crimson Tide. And we had a great conversation yesterday going over some of the roster stuff and the changes that have been made, some of the surprises, and, and you know, really hashed out a great conversation there. But now it's Thursday of game week. We're turning our attention to the Miami Hurricanes and Alabama's matchup against them. Jimmy, you know, it's a, it's a matchup of top 15 teams. Um, you know, you got Georgia and Clemson. That's kind of the premier game of college football weekend. There are some other, you know, great games that I think are going to be fun to watch, but this is one of the few games featuring two top 25 teams and and they're both top 15. So what do you what, kind of, what are your initial thoughts on the game coming up uh, in two days? Well, we did a little uh, study earlier this week. I went over on the, uh, on the, the, the Bama message board on the on three site, which everyone should subscribe to and read. Uh, we did a little study of, okay, how is Alabama, normally performed in these neutral site games because I was afraid that there was this perception which is often wrong that Alabama always plays great in these games and that's because several times Alabama has I think everybody remembers destroying Southern Cal in 2016 Alabama won that game I think 52 to 6 and Southern Cal ended the year ranked number three in the final poll and Alabama won that game 52 to 6. Alabama also played extremely well against Clemson in 08 and Michigan in 2012. But I went over every game because I wanted to see if there was a pattern. Is Alabama just played great in all these games? And the answer is no, they, they haven't always played great. They usually played great. There's been a couple of instances where Alabama really didn't play well at all, particularly in a game against West Virginia. Uh, in a game against Wisconsin, I would just call it nondescript. They played fairly well against Virginia Tech once, not so well the other time. So it's not like Alabama's 10 for 10 in these games of just playing great. Secondly, what's of concern to me, Clint, is that this Miami team is probably better than most of the teams Alabama's played. Now, Alabama did play USC, who ended the year number three. 
Uh, but Alabama also played a really hyped Florida State team that didn't end up ranked at all. That Wisconsin team wasn't ranked at all. West Virginia, Duke, Louisville, they weren't good teams. Even the Michigan team in 2012 started out at number eight, but then had a bad year and fired their coach. So Alabama hasn't played a lot of really good teams. I would say Miami is one of the better teams that Alabama has played in these neutral site openers. So when you throw in that Alabama hasn't always played great, Miami is a little better uh, than most of the, their opponents. Uh, I think there's reason for apprehension in this game. I think it is potentially a very good matchup. And frankly, shouldn't it be a good matchup when number one plays number 14? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and this is what I struggle with is because you can't know definitively, but I feel like we've had enough evidence uh, or, or enough, um, you know, talking points as far as seeing Alabama in these first games, these open openers and seeing how they've performed. How much uh, do you think teams having disappointing seasons in comparison, you know, the, the one that's obviously going to come to most people's mind is going to be Florida state uh, back in 2017, but how much of it is playing Alabama in the first game of the season and kind of them just completely taking your will away to want to play football for the remainder of that season? Um, because we've seen that plenty of times. And, and it, it just kind of makes you think, you know, Miami, if they get completely slaughtered by Alabama, which I'm not necessarily, you know, saying is going to happen, but if it does happen, you know, I could see kind of the wheels coming off a little bit for this Miami team. And, you know, if they can keep it close and respectable, even if the score gets a little bit out of hand, um, just looking the part and being competitive, um, you know, it, I still think that you can be okay taking that route or, or having that route kind of forced on you. But if they completely destroy Miami, I can kind of see the wheels running off for them a little bit. Maybe they could end up not being as good as people think. So do you think it's a, a matter of those teams just – they were always going to be, you know, or, or were always going to underperform regardless of what happened against Alabama? Or do you think Alabama had an effect on them in, in the, the rest of their seasons? I think it can be both. I think it can be both. In the end, I'm not going to get away from – a mantra I've always had, which is you are what your record says you are. That's what you are. If you're six and six, then, then you're, you're, you're not horrible, but you're not good. And if you're 10 and two, you're really good. And if you're two and 10, you're really bad. Uh, I, I, I think you are what your record says you are, but certain things cause your record to be what they are. And I do think you can lose to teams twice. And by that, I mean, if Miami has put a lot of eggs in this basket and they are all in on the idea that they're going to beat Alabama and not just show up to compete. If they're like, we're going to beat Alabama and they worked every day staring at some picture of, of, of Will Anderson or something. And then they show up and Alabama wins by four touchdowns. Then Miami's going to lose to Alabama more than once. And by that, I mean, you can't, it's foolish to put all your eggs in a basket like that because it will cause you to lose more than once. I'm sure there's some of that in the past, whether it's Florida State in, in 17 or Michigan in, in 2012. I'm sure that's happened. But in the end, your record says you are you are what you are. And uh, I, I don't think Alabama should take 100% credit. But a good example, Clint, because we talked about other games this weekend, UCLA and LSU. I happen to think LSU is pretty good. I would rank them somewhere around <clears throat> 10th or 12th, maybe even 9th in terms of 
the best teams in the country and what they have and the personnel they're putting on the field, I think that they're legitimately that good and are capable of winning 10 games. But I also think this, they could easily lose to UCLA Saturday uh, for any number of reasons, including the fact that UCLA is pretty good. But if LSU loses to UCLA Saturday, that's a good example of what you're talking about, Clint. The wheels could come off because I don't think any LSU player believed they would start the season 0-1. And when that happens, you can lose more than once because now you're like, what the hell happened in Pasadena last week? This We're supposed to be 10-2 and or 11-1, and we just lost to UCLA, and we haven't even played any of our eight SEC games yet. So, yeah, you can lose that first game, and, and, the, and the wheels, the lug nuts get loose. The lug nuts get loose on the bus. So I think Alabama has nudged some teams toward the cliff, but those teams were just never going to be good, and, and, and Alabama didn't cost any of them a spot in the playoff. Yeah, the only one um, – yeah, I completely agree with that statement. Um, the only one that you can say really affected their season, granted just from simply taking their will away, would be Florida State because they lost DeAndre Francois to the injury, which was not intentional or anything like that, but that dramatically affected the rest of their season. Who, who they were in that first game against Alabama, especially in that first half, that was the Florida State that kind of – I wouldn't say it was what everybody was expecting and they were a top-five team like they were you know, ranked at the time, but they were a much more effective, better football team than they were post-DeAndre Francois going down with that injury. So that's one where you can say, yeah, um, unintentionally Alabama completely ruined their season – both from a will standpoint and from a you know injuring your star quarterback and and once that happens it's difficult to overcome. Talking about this matchup specifically because I think it's you know there, there's a part of me I'm having a hard time with this because first of all rat poison you know I guarantee you this is the per, one of the premier Alabama football shows and so I know Nick Saban's probably listening to this stuff on his way to work every morning i mean obviously everybody's going to want to be listening to this stuff i don't want to get in trouble for for rat poison or anything like that but there's a part of me that thinks that alabama there are plenty of scenarios where alabama could completely run away with this game not saying that it's going to happen necessarily you'll have to wait to the end of the episode for me to give my score predictions and kind of summarize what i think is going to actually happen but when you start breaking down you know the x's and o's of things what I'm concerned about the most for Miami is, A, you've got a what's expected to be a very good Alabama defense, a, a defense that's going to be able to put a lot of pressure on you. I understand Miami has a very good, experienced offensive line, probably the most experienced offensive line returning in the entire country. And I think one of the key matchups of this game is going to be their veter veteran, experienced offensive line going against Alabama's veteran, experienced defensive line. They're both deep groups. They've both, you know, seen a lot of players who have had a ton of starts, a ton of time in the program. And so I'll, I think that'll be interesting. The good part about it for De'Eric King is Miami, you know, last year they weren't a great run-blocking offensive line, but they were a fairly effective pass-protecting offensive line. Now, some of that has to do with Derek King being a dual-threat quarterback who can escape pressure and, you know, the sacks allowed and things like that are going to go down when you have that ability. But if Alabama's able to put pressure consistently, which I expect them to be able to do on Derek King, the fact that he's coming off a torn ACL, you know, what, seven, eight months ago, nine months ago, to me, 
is he going to be able to play his game? Because his ability to escape pressure, make plays on the move, um, you know, turn short gains as far as runs to, into long gains, he brings all that kind of stuff to the table. And he's a great passer, too. I don't want to take away from his ability as a passer, but I worry about from their perspective, I worry about him being able to, to be true to himself. And if he's not able to do that, that takes away a huge element to what has made Miami successful in the past. If he does not trust himself to be able to make plays like he was able to last year coming off that torn ACL. Yeah, I think Alabama's greatest trait in 2021, assuming they can pull this off, like the reason Alabama could be so elite in 2021 is Alabama may be able to get great pressure on the quarterback rushing only the front four. Just to use an example, Will Allen, I mean, Will Anderson and Chris Allen outside and maybe Phil Mathis and Justin Aboigby inside. Just using those four to get after the quarterback. The other seven guys all drop. And if you can create blitz-type pressure on the quarterback without blitzing, then the defense has a tremendous advantage. And I'm hopeful that Alabama's pass rush is elite. And I, I do think the personnel is there to accomplish that. Now, with Derek King, you have to be – you know, he can create some problems for that because maybe you could get pressure on an immobile quarterback with those four guys, but De'Eric, he's going to roll, he's going to roll outside. He's going to avoid the rush. He is a very athletic kid and Alabama probably has to either bring extra, an extra guy or two, or at least leave one in the middle of the field to sort of spy on De'Eric. Cause I don't know that Alabama's front four can pressure him, uh, you know, you worry about him buying himself extra time. Um, so I worry if there's a worry for Alabama for me, it's Derek. I mean, Alabama has struggled at times in the past playing these dual threat guys for that very reason. Uh, when a quarterback can buy himself extra time with his feet, uh, there's there's only so long you can cover even with seven guys. So Derek is, is to me the key to whether this game is close and tight, whether Miami has a shot at all in this game, to me it's 100% on De'Ara King, uh, who's like a six-year player. He's like a veteran pro football player out there in terms of his his experience. I, I read that he's, ha- he's dropped back in the pocket to pass over a 1,000 times in a college football game, and Bryce has about 85 times. Yeah. So – so, uh, it, you know, it, it's, it's an incredible experience uh, factor there. And Derek can make things very difficult. But, but to get to, to your point, I do believe hey, Alabama is going to pressure Derek better than anyone they will face all year, except maybe Clemson, who has a good pass rush too, Brian Breeze and those guys. But can Alabama rush for and affect Derek? If they can, Alabama wins and it might get ugly. Yeah, and and that's kind of my one of my big questions for this game too, because in a standard, fully healthy game for Derek King, he's going to be able to create those problems, and we've seen it. You know, Cam Newton, Nick Marshall, Deshaun Watson, Johnny Manziel, 
Trevor Lawrence has some dual threat ability, a, a lot more mobile than people give him credit for. J.R. Plum, Plumley uh, a couple of years ago had over 100 yards rushing and caused Alabama's defense some problems at times. So we've seen it, you know, a lot throughout the years. And you also got uh, Rhett Lashley there at offensive coordinator who has had experience um, creating or forcing Alabama's defense into some issues with those dual threat styles of players. And, and he brought a lot of the same elements and style to that Miami offense that you saw with Gus Malzahn back when it was causing Alabama some trouble. So I'll be curious to see how that ends up playing itself out because, like I said, if Derek King is able to extend plays, he's confident in himself, he's, he's, he's willing to take chances as far as running the football and taking some hits, then I think that he is going to cause a lot of those problems. Um, but if he's not able to, if he doesn't trust himself or the coaching staff isn't really asking him to do a lot of the things that they normally would, allowing him to get on the move and make plays with his legs. And, and a lot of their run game is based off of, you know, the zone read and the fact that you have a quarterback that if he keeps it, maybe you're worried about that knee. I mean, like I said, it's not like it's been a year, you know, or 11 months where you're kind of flirting with it. We're talking about barely over half a year. And and they've talked, they've ranted and raved about how well he's performed in preseason practice. But you're also the quarterback. You're not going to get hit at any point during preseason practice. You can you you can confidently stand back there in the pocket and know, or or while you're on the move and know no one's going to touch me. Alabama's going to touch him on Saturday, and so that's what I'll be curious to see as far as how he responds to that. Now, you know, getting to some of the other stuff, um, you know, that the offense for, for Miami, like I said, very experienced offensive line. If they can't establish a complimentary run game, I also think they're in big trouble. I think they're going to need that um, to at least some degree. If you're Miami and you're jogging out there and you understand that, that you know, 80% of your offensive production is coming, you know, let's say Derek King is healthy enough to be able to, produce on the ground it's coming from his legs or it's coming from his arm you know that's great and we've seen other quarterbacks in the past take over and have that sort of performance and do well but it, you know that that's I think that if you can get Cameron Harris going if you're Miami and establish some sort of complimentary run game which he is a, a a very solid running back I wouldn't say he's a great or elite running back but Miami should have a pretty decent run game this year despite that offensive line, you know, and who, who knows, they might take some steps in the right direction and, and improve in that area and become better, you know, run blockers. But, um, you know, that's something else that I kind of am curious to see. And, and, and at wide receiver and tight end, they lost Brevin Jordan, who was a huge part of the offense at tight end last year. Will Mallory is back. He was, a you know, the second team tight end, and he still almost caught, you know, um, 25 balls last year for like 350 yards and four scores. So, Still a very strong part of the offense. And then, you know, Charleston Rambo, the Oklahoma transfer, he's coming in at receiver. He's really kind of bolstered that uh, pass-catching group along with Keyshawn Smith, who was a freshman last year. He's overtaken the starting job. And, and then all the starters they had last year with Mike Harley, Mark Pope, and D. Wiggins, all three of those guys are back. But Pope and uh, Wiggins are both going to be, you know, kind of forced into a rotational role. So they've gotten a lot better at the receiver position. The offensive line was Zion Nelson. There were some questions he had gotten banged up. We weren't sure if he was going to play. He's their starting left tackle. This week he's returned to practice, so we think he's going to. That's going to be able to allow Jared Williams to kick back over to the right side, which is where he's comfortable and where he's got plenty of experience. So across the board, I like Miami's offense. I think they're going to do um, some good things, you know, with that, you know, quick pop um, – you know, RPO style of offense, which is, you know, you see a lot of that from Miami. 
when you got a guy like Mark, Mike Harley there in the slot who can run a lot of you know quick slants and you can hit him and he can create it to the catch like he can, I think they'll have some success offensively. But I agree with you that a lot of what you know how close they're able to keep this game is going to be dictated based off of you know Derek King because switching to the other side of the football. I'm, I worry about Miami's defense against Alabama's offense. Now, they're working some things out there in Tuscaloosa, the offensive line. You know, you've spoken about that and talked about how they haven't, you know, had a lot of time to come together in jail and you're breaking in some new guys as far as, you know, receivers. And you've got some experience at those various spots, but there's some still some things you're working out. You get Bryce Young, you know, going into his first ever career start. You know, I, do you not agree that, that – Alabama's offense once they start to get things going it might take them a few drives but I think that against this Miami defense they're going to be able to have quite a bit of success yeah Miami is good on defense uh, they were good last year and they return a lot of guys added a couple of transfers that are probably going to make a, a, a difference for them Tyreek Stevenson a transfer from Georgia is likely to be their nickelback kind of you know, which is a playmaking position. They have a pass rusher transfer from Tennessee and DeAndre Johnson. So they've added some pieces that are going to help them. Uh, and I think they're, they are good on defense. I think Alabama will face better defenses. I think Texas A&M, for instance, is going to be really good defensively. Uh, LSU has dudes. Uh, you know, Alabama could potentially face Georgia and Atlanta at the end of the year. They certainly have guys on defense. So I don't know that I would put Miami uh, in their class. Uh, but outside of the elite defenses, I think Miami's good, and they're good enough to cause Alabama problems. Uh, as you mentioned, we've talked about all week on the message board and, and, and in our stories that that Alabama's offensive line look it's 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 under construction. It's not finished. Uh, there will I think the best bet when people say what's the line going to look like? I'm like I I'm not sure, but I am sure about this one thing. The five guys that start against Miami, I would bet, will not be the five guys that start against Auburn And at the end. And I'm not talking about injury. I mean, I'm just talking about I think that group is in flux and we have to play the games before we figure out who the best five guys are. And uh, that's not uncommon. Uh, it's just not ideal. And uh, – when Alabama's had a Joe Moore winning offensive line, you know, the best offensive line in football, uh, it's generally been because they started five guys in September and it was those same five guys at the end of the year. Uh, I don't know that Alabama's going to have that luxury this season. I, I think it's in development, and I think Miami's good enough on defense to where it's going to be a bit of a problem, and there is going to be some pressure on Bryce, uh, not simply because he has to avoid Miami's pressure, and they do have some disruptive guys like DeAndre Johnson, like John Ford, Jonathan Ford, a really good uh, disruptive presence for Miami. Not just avoiding sacks, but I think it'll be on Bryce to make something happen. Because when your offensive line isn't great and isn't dominant, I think it's hard to sustain 80-yard drives. And Alabama may have to score via the big play. And uh, some of those could be straight runs. But more often than not, it's going to be because Bryce makes a play. So uh, for a first start against a legitimate defense, I think there's a lot on Bryce. And at the same time, I think Alabama's coaching staff has a lot of confidence in Bryce. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. 
It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you there. And looking at Miami's defense, with their defensive line, they have one guy that's over 300 pounds that's starting, and that's John Ford. And he's 6'5", 315 pounds, definitely an NFL prospect, can kind of you know clog up the middle, cause issues as far as your run game is concerned. But, you know, they're, they're two defensive ends, Zach McLeod and Jafari Harvey. Both those guys are barely over 250 pounds, and you're going against Alabama's offensive line. And it's not as big as we've seen in the past because you got, you know, a sub 300-pound Kendall Randolph right now starting at right tackle, and that's going to kind of take your averages down a little bit. But, I mean, it doesn't matter. Alabama's big and strong up front. I will be curious to see how their defensive line holds up against Alabama's offensive line as far as that size discrepancy because it's not just the front four. You know, you go to the next level with Corey Flagg and Keontre Smith and, um, and of course, you know, whoever ends up starting at, at striker for them, their biggest guy is Corey Flagg at 5'11", 230. You know, Smith is, is 5'11", 205. You know, Gilbert Frierson is 6'1", 210. Amari Carter, who could end up starting at that, uh, that striker position, he's 6'2", 202 pounds. So they just don't have a lot of size in their front seven. And how is that, you know, if, if Alabama is able to establish a run game, and, you know, consistently and let Bryce Young play off of that in the early stages of not only this game, but, uh, you know, of this season, I think it's going to bode well for Alabama's offense being able to get things on track. You've got a deep stable of running backs, um, you know, that you can rely on where you can rotate and get all those guys a lot of work if you need to. And I think that they can have some success against this Miami defense. And that's why I kind of I'm really having a hard time finding reasons why I think that Miami, unless Derek King plays an all-star game, which he's very capable of. And so that's why I don't want to say, oh, I think they're going to completely blow them out. That's what I'm predicting. And I'm, I'm saying it confidently because I can't really say definitively where Derek King's going to be at. But when you start looking at other spots and the fact that I don't think they're going to be able to establish a run game offensively, the fact that I think that Alabama is going to be able to establish a run game on Miami's front seven, uh, and then play off of that and let Bryce get comfortable and confident. I think, you know, do I think that Alabama is going to put up, you know, 55, you know, or 60 points or whatever, or, or break 50 like they did against, uh, you know, USC that one season? No, but I also think that it's possible that they could end up getting somewhere in the, the low to mid 40s and maybe even the high 40s in certain situations. And then it's a matter of trying to figure out where does Miami's offense check in as far as you know their offensive production the points they're able to put on the board so that's kind of what i flirted with um and and my my next question for you it, it, you know is going to be about bryce young what do you think they're going to want or what what do you think they're going to ask him to do how much are they going to be designing plays you know to get him on the move and outside the pocket are they going to allow him to stand tall in the pocket? You know, I think he can still win within the pocket. You know, a lot of people question that because of his lack of size. He can stand tall in the pocket, and with the way that offenses are set up as far as spreading things out with your offensive line, as far as your pass sets and all that stuff, um, and you don't have as much going on um, in kind of in the in the box, um, you know, in the tackle box, I think that it sets up well for him to have success within Alabama's offense within the pocket. But also, you know, I'm just kind of curious your thoughts on how, you know, what do you think they're going to ask of Bryce, whether it be early on or, or, or over the course of the game? Uh, okay, this, this is my guess because, unfortunately, Nick 
Well, well, let's just let's just be honest. Stupidly, Nick doesn't forward the game plan memos to me to comment on, so I can, help. <laughs> so stu- you know, stupidly they don't do that. But here's here's one thought that I have that I, I really believe is true. I think there Miami's going to believe this, and most of our fans and Miami's fans are going to believe this. They're going to say Bryce is new, the offensive line is new, the offensive coordinator is new. Let's be simple. Let's not put much on Bryce. Let's try to establish a run game. Let's try to make short, easy throws. Let's do what everyone believes is real comfortable for Bryce, whether that's rolling out, maybe some quarterback runs. Uh, let's, let's make this easy for Bryce. I think that is what Miami is going to assume and what a lot of fans that watch this game will assume because that makes so much sense, right? Well, I believe that Alabama staff has a ton of confidence in Bryce. I don't think they look at Bryce like he needs, we need to do things to make him comfortable. I think this kid is comfortable, period. I think we could paratroop Bryce into the Kabul airport in Afghanistan and he would just sit in a lawn chair and and, and drink a pina colada and, (laughs) and, and watch the excitement. I mean, Bryce is a very calm, poised kid who's already comfortable on the football field. So I think Alabama is going to do the opposite of that. I think they're going to treat Bryce like he is a veteran and they're going to give him the entire playbook starting from play number one. And we're not going to see a kid that looks like he's trying to feel his way through the first game. I, I think Alabama's going to do the full RPO package. I think Alabama's going to take multiple downfield shots because Bryce is very comfortable with that. And Alabama has playmakers outside and Jamison Williams and John Mechie. And when Miami gets conscious of that, they can also throw screens to JoJo Earl, who can who can rip off chunk plays. Uh, you know, and that, so I, I don't think that Bryce is going to start with a running back screen or a slant RPO or something that they consider, you know, simple. I think I think they're going to coach this game no different than they would a semifinal playoff uh, in Bryce's uh, 13th, uh, 14th game. That's what I think. I think I think Bryce has the whole playbook. Yeah, and looking at Miami's defense, you know, Blake Baker was their defensive coordinator last year, and they just they, they simply weren't aggressive enough, especially not for Manny Diaz's you know preference or style. And so they let him go, and Manny Diaz is now taking uh, over the defensive play calling, and that's going to make them a lot more of an aggressive defense going into this season. They're going to take some chances, and what I think Alabama is going to be prepared for is to exploit them trying to take those chances because they understand the pressure is on Miami to keep this game close and keep this game competitive. From a talent standpoint, um, you know, it's not really – I mean, I'm not saying that Miami's a bad team, but from a depth perspective, from an overall talent across the board perspective, there's a reason that Alabama's sitting up there at or near number one, according to a ton of people, and Miami's sitting outside the top ten. The talent discrepancy is certainly there. And so I think the pressure is going to be on Miami to take some risk, and I think Alabama's going to be prepared to exploit and, and take advantage of them, uh, you know, trying to take those risks. And looking back, I, I'll never forget watching that Auburn Iron Bowl you know, a couple of years ago when Mac Jones was making uh, his first start in Jordan-Hare Stadium, you know, kind of a hostile environment, 
Auburn had a fantastic defensive line that season. They had a very big offensive line. And I remember Gary Danielson kind of from the jump kept talking about how, you know, Alabama was making a mistake, not pushing the ball downfield or not having Mac Jones throw anything beyond, you know, five to 10 yards. And as you were watching the game plan unfold, you, you were quickly realizing that that wasn't the point. That wasn't what Alabama was trying to do. You talked about it in the podcast yesterday. You know, in, in the early stages, you're trying to get a feel for the opposing defense of what they're going to be trying to do, and you're trying to establish game flow and, and how this game is going to be dictated. And during that particular game, Alabama was all about, you know, getting the ball out to the receivers, making that big defensive line that was very good, but they weren't extremely deep making them run sideline to sideline, snap after snap, and trying to wear them down for the second half where Alabama could take control of the game. And I think that they did a very good job of that. Unfortunately, the offense at certain points couldn't have any sort of sustainable drives, and Auburn's offense was able to get out there. Bo Nix was able to create you know, um, several you know, multi-minute drives and give their defense a break, and that allowed them to kind of get their win back under them, and they weren't quite able to achieve that. But you could clearly see where it was going, even though Gary Danielson had no clue. Um, you know, you understood. With this Miami defensive line, is very different. This isn't the kind of defensive line that you want running sideline to sideline because they're all light, they're all fast, and they can, they can continue to do that. I think Alabama, in the early stages of this game, is going to say, we're going to make you pay for being undersized. We're going to smash the football at you. And kind of, I'm not saying they're going to get back to the ball controlled, you know, style. And I certainly agree with you. I think they're going to try to do some different things with, with, uh, you know, Bryce Young. I think with JoJo Earl, I wouldn't be surprised if early on in this game, they got some things specifically in there for him. But I also think that very early on, because if you're able to establish the run game and, and kind of assert your dominance early, that's going to make every, other part of your offense a lot easier to run, whether you're doing play action, which Alabama's not going to be doing a ton of that or anything like that, but your RPO stuff, your deep stuff, any other way that you're going to attack a defense, if you're able to establish the run and they're worried about that, um, then, you know, I think that you can do a lot of other things too. So I think the game plan going in, you might see a lot of just Alabama pounding the football early. And if they're not doing that, I think it's more so because they just want to get Bryce Young in a rhythm and kind of show the world Hey, we trust this guy. We don't mind him throwing, slinging the ball around, despite the fact that he's, you know, only had 22 career passes. We trust him to do his job and and to do it effectively. And so, if you see that, I think that's more so of them just. It's not because that's the best thing that Miami's given them. I just think they're trying to get Bryce Young confident and you know send a message. Otherwise, I think the smart thing to do would be able to, you know, um, try to establish that run game and 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 assert yourself as the most physical, uh, you know team or offensive line or side of the football on the field when you're on the field with that Miami defense. So that's personally how I see it playing out. Uh, do you agree or disagree? No, I, I, I absolutely agree. And look, in the end, um, and, and it's, it's right line with what you're saying, in the end, Alabama's got more good players than Miami does. That, that's why Alabama's number one and Miami's number 14. And, 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 and maybe Miami could, you know, maybe they're fortunate to be 14. Maybe they wouldn't be if they were in the SEC and had to play more big time teams and they play in that, in that league, Alabama just has more good players. And if they can establish the run, like you say, you know, it's, this is an Alabama uh, fantasy. Maybe it's not reality, but uh, the recipe for a blowout for Alabama. I mean, if, if you will know two plays in, if on first down, Alabama comes out in 12 personnel. And I think we're going to see a lot of that this year, meaning one running back and two tight ends. I think if Alabama comes out in 12 personnel on the very first play, 
and they just do an inside running play, Alabama's power play that they traditionally run where a guard pulls and then uh, then the running back follows that pulling guard up. And Brian Robinson gains six or eight yards right up the gut on first down. I think that play alone sets up everything. It's, it sets up everything because then you can line up with the exact same way on second down when it's second and two or second and three, you line up the exact same way with the exact same personnel. And all of a sudden Miami after one snap is very run conscious because they're like, our front seven's going to need some help. They're, they're big, they're bigger than us. They're stronger than us. And they just ripped off a seven yard run with a simple inside zone play. And then Miami overcommits. And on second and two, Bryce goes back and pass. And we, and we, we show the country who Jamison Williams is, who with his full four speed might just blow past a Miami cornerback and Bryce is good with the deep ball. And maybe it's six to nothing after two snaps. And if Alabama has that kind of success, it's going to be a long, long day for Miami. And I do think as much as that sounds like a fantasy, it's also very possible because Alabama is capable of moving, moving Miami off the ball in the run game. And they're capable of running past Miami with outside speed like Jamison Williams and JoJo Earl have, even Mechie. So the weapons are there because Alabama's got a lot of dudes and in the end, Alabama's going to win this game because they've got more dudes than Miami's got. Well, and, and speaking of that secondary, that's the, the most exploitable part of the entire Miami defense. I talk about the undersized defensive line, and I think that to some degree, you know, the safeties are very good. You know, Bubba Bolden is probably one of their best Bolden. defenders. Um, and then James Williams, you know, according with the according to the on three rankings, I mean, he was a top 70 prospect, 6'5", 224-pound safety linebacker hybrid. Um, not quite Derwin James athleticism, but similar size. He's got that safety high, uh, safety linebacker hybrid ability to play inside the box. He can also line up, line up as a traditional safety, and he's pretty rangy as well. Um, so you're probably going to see him at some point. I don't think he's starting for Miami, but remember that name. But at cornerback, and Tyreek Stevenson is going to play an important part of this Miami defense. And he's going to, you know, DJ Ivy and, and Corey Couch, who were their two starters last year, they got torched a lot, especially early on in the season. And, and that's where I think that, you know, when you look at Alabama's receivers, I understand from an experience standpoint or a star standpoint, they haven't really established anybody yet, even though you can make the argument that, you know, John Mechie is somewhat established. But I think that with the depth they have at receiver and all the different styles of playmakers, I think that Miami's cornerbacks are very exploitable as well. And Alabama's going to take advantage of that at some point as well. You know, I think in the ideal situation, you go out there, you hammer the football, you establish that you're clearly the most physical team and that you're going to be able to run the ball whenever you want to. And then you let Bryce Young, um, you know, put a lot of pressure on Miami's secondary by doing some things with him and, and allowing him to take some chances. And Alabama's got the playmakers to – you know, exploit a, a Miami secondary. And so that's why just looking at it, and I'm not saying Miami's defense isn't good. I just think matched up against Alabama. A lot of times when they step on the field, they're going to have the most talent uh, between them and the other team. With Alabama, it's not even close. It favors Alabama uh, offensively or defensively. And so looking at it, I just feel like that there aren't a lot of scenarios outside of Derek King just having an all-star performance and, and Alabama having a very tough time containing him, which is going to mean that he's, he's playing at his best and he's not worried about that knee whatsoever, which I question. Personally, I think that this is a 
you know, Miami scores in the mid to high teens. I think Alabama scores somewhere in the low to mid 40s. I've been there ever since, you know, March um, when I really started to kind of look at it. And now that we're getting closer and closer to the game, that's where I'm at with things. And and that doesn't mean that Miami can't get into the low 20s or maybe even the high 20s if if things go their, their way. But I think Alabama wins this football game fairly comfortably. And I think that it's possible that it, it could turn into a blowout if certain things don't go right for Miami. And, you know, Coach Saban, if you're listening, I apologize. Um, you know, just make sure that none of your players, they go on lockdown and don't listen to this podcast until after the game or two days before they can, you know, avoid the Bama on three show. If you're an Alabama football player, everybody else listen. Um, but that's my prediction. Jimmy, throw us your final per, you know score prediction and what you think is going to happen. Yeah, pretty close to what what you're saying. Uh, I think, again, I went back and looked at all 10, you know, neutral site openers trying to find a pattern. The pattern is this. Alabama doesn't always play great, but Alabama always plays well enough to win. I think because Miami is a little better than most of these teams Alabama's played in this scenario, that it's more likely to be a game where Alabama just plays well enough to win. There's too many new parts on offense to assume a fantastic performance on that side of the ball. I think there's going to be moments because Alabama's got so many dudes and Bryce is a dude, he will make plays, uh, but he's also unlikely to play the game of his career in game number one, the offensive line in flux. So I see uh, some errors, some mistakes that lead to points for both teams. Miami's very likely to make errors themselves. It's a game one. No one is in midseason form. I think in game one, you're more likely to see errors that lead to points than any other game all season. I think my, I think Alabama will win this game 38 to 20, and both teams will be aided by errors from the other team. For instance, I'm not sure Miami is going to earn all 20 of their points. They'll probably earn about 13 of them, and then they might have seven gifted to them. And I think Alabama – might not earn all 38 of their points. They could have seven or 10 points gifted to them as well from just flat out game one errors. But I think 38 to 20, uh, that puts the game right about where, where the line is. I think the line is around 19, 19 and a half. I think Miami will cover barely uh, and Alabama will win the game. It won't be beautiful, but it'll be good enough. And it will give Alabama's coaching staff on Sunday a ton of information they need to make the team better in week two, and uh, we'll be praying for Mercer. 42-17. I realized that, you know, I, I kind of went the safe route by giving ranges. <laughs> so I'll go ahead and throw out a, a specific score. Um, it's it's probably not going to be 42-17, but that's what I'm going with. I like your prediction. Perfect. I think that's very possible, and I love the, the, the fact that you threw that in there about both teams kind of gifting the other one points that they don't necessarily deserve because I could absolutely see that, especially in a first game. And we've seen that a lot in years past in these games. Um, you know, so that's a great point. This has been a ton of fun. I feel like it's been informative for the listeners. Uh, at least I hope it has been. Guys, if you haven't already, I need you to do two things right now. A, go sign up for On3+. Plus and get the premium content that we're putting out. You know, earlier, you know, we, we put out bold predictions yesterday where me, you, and, and Nikki, all three, put out a bold prediction. I thought that was fun. Um, you know, today we've got a lot of stuff coming out as far as, you know, five players that you need to be keeping an eye on, whether it be from a, 
you know, trying to keep a starting job or trying to earn a, 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 a permanent starting job or, you know, a lot of different other factors, but five players you need to be on the lookout for in this game and why it's important. Um, you know, but we've got tons of content, you know, Jimmy's got some great stuff coming today on the message boards. He had some great stuff yesterday. One of my favorite things to do is to wake up in the mornings. And sometimes when, when he posted at night, I, I, you know, I'm a little late getting to it, but I love going to read Jimmy stuff on the, the premium message boards and kind of getting engaged in that conversation. So go sign up for on three plus right now. It's only $10 for the entire first year. You're not going to beat that deal anywhere. I can guarantee you as far as the content that you're going to be getting out of that deal. And then also go subscribe or follow or whatever you need to do. The Bama on three show on Apple podcast, um, you know, or, or Spotify or wherever it is that you're listening to the show, go subscribe, share it with your friends. Um, we're planning on building this thing and it's, it, we've seen tremendous growth in only the last you know couple of weeks since we've started it. We want to see a lot more growth and, and you guys are going to be an important part of that. So go follow, um, and 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 subscribe and share and leave a five-star review if that's the way that you feel and you want to leave a five-star review we're looking for as many of those as possible and jimmy once again man you know you're a champion as far as being willing to hop on here with me i'll let you know at the the very last second hey can you get on with me again tomorrow can you change the time up a little bit you're always willing to oblige and so i appreciate that it was great having you on brother Oh, thanks. And uh, I'm apologizing in advance for my behavior if we do any videos immediately following a game. That's going to be new to me, new to all y'all. And we'll just hope that the uh, FCC doesn't care about what we're doing over here. Hey, I'll tell you right now, there no apologies needed. And, and I'm going to be I'm going to be at the stadium. I'm going to be trying to listen to press conferences and doing all that stuff, post-game press conferences and stuff with the players and coaches and getting back up to the press box to write you know, some posts, but if you don't think that I'm not going to be finding some time to hop on there during your live, and I, I mean, I can't wait. It's going to be one of the highlights of my Saturday evening if it ends up working out and you're able to hop on there. So looking forward to that. Guys, once again, thank you guys so much for being a part of this show. We've enjoyed, you know, I've enjoyed talking to Jimmy. I've enjoyed talking to you guys. And, um, you know, I've already gotten some more questions for the next bell bag, which is probably going to be sometime early next week. And, you know, so I appreciate that. Keep those coming. And once again, just thank you so much for being a part of the show. This has been the Bama on three show and I'm your host, Clint Lamb. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.